from Vernissage Health. This is Built to Lead, a show where we talk to emerging and established leaders from all levels within the healthcare sector in the hope of breaking boundaries, inspiring hope, and redirecting views on what the landscape of healthcare leadership is and can be. Leadership requires a comfort with making decisions for other people. And if you don't have that underlying respect for others and for what you're trying to build and an underlying confidence in your own ability to somehow bridge between the current state and a goal, you really can get lost very quickly. Leadership for me is like kind of, uh, I'd like to define it in the emotional intelligence four levels. So leadership is really having that self-vision, so knowing what you want and and then managing yourself. But then also about leadership is about managing your relationship with others and your team. So to understand them, uh, understanding what the team wants, what your consumers or the healthcare uh, people, like stakeholders want. So leadership is a 360 thing. Most of the time when we talk about leadership, we kind of talk about leadership of others. We don't really think about ourselves. But uh, leadership involves others and us. So hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Built to Lead podcast. In today's episode, we will be learning about the leadership beliefs and philosophies from some of our amazing faculty here at the IHPME. On today's podcast, we have two amazing guests, Julia Zarp and Abby Sirharan. Julia is the program director of the Master of Health Informatics program, and she started her careers in the humanities, actually, where she received a doctorate in communication theory, but she's always been interested in the power of data and information systems. And with that, Julia transitioned from academia to business in the health information technology field. Julia has experience working with internationally recognized vendors and as a founder and executive of a successful consulting firm. Abby is the program director of the System Leadership and Innovation program. She's also a researcher, an educator, and a board certified coach who is passionate about healthcare leadership and wellness. Abby is internationally recognized as an expert in her field. Her career is rooted in systems leadership, leadership training, and capacity building in healthcare context. We're really fortunate to have had two really great guests on this podcast, and we're excited to share all their learnings with you. So let's just get right into it. During our conversation with Abby, we learned some key terminology about leadership, and both Matthew and I are emerging leaders looking to make change in the healthcare system. But it was clear to us that before we can actually make that change, we have to understand how leadership presents itself at all levels. And Abby gave us some really great terminology to work with. Micro-leadership, I would consider it's more of an interpersonal leadership as well as team leadership. And in terms of macro-leadership, I would talk about the vision at the systems level, kind of thinking about what what is the strategy, what is the vision for the organization or the health system. But anything to be uh, implemented or operated, it, the micro-leadership has to be aligned with the macro-vision. So that was the first time I had ever heard of the difference between micro and macro-leadership. What about you, Matthew? Yeah, I'm glad you heard about that. Uh, that's a concept I've been introduced to before. Um, it's one that I'm pretty familiar with. I think it's just a great way to break down leadership based on different levels of focus. Leadership can be found at all levels, from the front line to the CEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember uh, while we were recording this conversation with Abby, she mentioned that 
this leadership at all levels is really important for culture. Leadership without titles, right? And healthcare requires that. So it doesn't have to be the director of a department who runs it. It has to be everyone. I was actually reading um, a vision statement for a hospital recently, and they talked about every single person in that hospital builds that culture of the hospital. So when you're walking in the elevator and if you are the cleaner of that elevator and if you don't greet the patient, mm-hmm. that's different. Like The patient is going to feel a kind of environment that's not welcoming but if you see the janitor welcoming that patient and then you walk the hallway and everyone is welcoming it makes a huge difference the ceo does not decide the culture everyone who works there makes the decision so it's a micro scales that reminds me of uh, one of my favorite quotes teamwork makes the dream work i really resonate with abby's statement about leadership on all levels everyone being involved and contributing to the success of the organization i think is very important but the team is made up of individuals. So it's also important for each individual to be at their best. And as a leader in any capacity, uh, one of the best things we can do is to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves first. So this can ensure that we have the energy to be a leader and help improve the healthcare system. Abby talks about self-care, which I think is very important to be an effective leader. We focus on leadership wellness, because when it comes to leaders, we don't really focus on our own wellness and it's kind of one of those things like you go, 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 do, do, do. And then you kind of go into this sacrifice syndrome mode. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I meant by sacrifice syndrome is you are doing everything for everyone. You're doing it for your organization. You're doing it for your team. And then you forget about it yourself, right? And I have seen our leaders across the globe who would do that? They will put their own personal needs behind. Or they'll say, I'll address it when I finish this major grant or I will finish this after I deliver this big project and I will fo- I'll go to gym several months ago. Mm-hmm. And they will not do it. Mm-hmm. So um, focusing on self-care, because if a leader is not well, mm-hmm. his team is also, his or her team is also going to be suffering from that. Mm-hmm. So to focusing on personal, mindful leadership and leadership wellness. So that's what we do at Leap Institute. The best example I use is um, Kaiser Permanente CEO um, recently died in November 2019. He was 60 years old. He went to bed and he didn't wake up next day, right? Cardiac arrest. Mm -hmm. He was the CEO of the largest health system in the U.S. and one of the best health systems in the world. Mm -hmm. And he died of heart disease. Yeah, that's Right. And mm-hmm. why? Because he was a busy uh, you know, health professional, healthcare leader who was doing a lot for the community and the healthcare, but he did not take care of himself. Mm-hmm. So really focusing on that part. So uh, we train leaders about mindfulness, leadership, um, do a lot of coaching around that as mm-hmm. well uh, to take care of themselves. When they take care of themselves, they are also going to pay attention to their team and they are going to create a culture where everyone is focused on self-wellness. And when you focus on that, your productivity is going to go up. So I really liked that um, Abby talked about the importance of mindfulness and self-care. It really goes to show you that, like you said, a team is really only successful when each individual takes care of themselves. And for me, like I mentioned, I think self-care, one of the best things you can do for self-care is uh, mindfulness. And Abby talks about that as well. I teach a mindful leadership course uh, right now. 
And one of the things I tell them is it's not about yoga. It's not about meditation because it does not work for everyone. You have to find a mindful practice. And when I say mindful practice, it's a practice where you are present and you uh, you understand yourself, but you also understand everyone around you, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever that is going to, like whatever tool that's going to help you get to that present moment, that's what your mindful practice is going mm-hmm. to be. So now some for some people, it might be yoga. For some people, it might be meditation. But some for some people, it might be just running. Or mm-hmm. I had a coaching client once who said, her mindful practice is throwing access. It's a, it's a sport. It's a sport. And she has to be there, go there, do that. And then she gets the energy to calm herself to do reflection. And that's how she does it. And that's fine too. So I, I think like there is sometimes that missed perception about mindfulness means, you know, you are in this retreat and everyone is quiet and mm-hmm. everyone is meditating and doing yoga. Mm-hmm. And that's not it. So I, again, I really liked that Abby uh, talked about mindfulness. Um, I think that mindful leadership uh, doesn't get spoken about very often. And when I first learned about it, I didn't really understand the importance. But then I thought about all of the people in leadership positions that I look up to, and they all have this calm presence to them. Um, And I really do think that it's because they take the time to ensure that they are being self-reflective. Uh, which I think can be very powerful. Um, So I've spent some time trying, dabbling with meditation. I find it really helps even just 10 minutes a day to help center you and be calm and reflective. What about you, Matthew? Do you do any mindful practices? I have to be active. So it has to be something usually with the sports. Um, I really like to focus on the activity itself. That's very important for me in terms of my self-care. Usually in the morning, I like to wake up early, do a quick workout or just a quick run around the block. Um, in the summertime, I actually love sailing. For me, it's just so peaceful being on the water, um, serene. So that's my form of meditation. Yeah. And like Abby said, it's different for everyone, which I think um, is really important to know that it doesn't have to be this cookie cutter thing and you can choose what feels best for you. Um So for me, it's meditation. And it actually got me thinking about authenticity and vulnerability um, because I think it can be a bit vulnerable to, you know, be practicing being reflective, um, which is also something that Abby uh, talks about. I think uh, the authenticity is a good question because sometimes in the leadership literature, people will say, you know, um, fake until it lasts or like, no, you kind of make it like, um, make it until you kind of figure, yeah, fake it until you make it. Yes, that's the thing I was looking for. Uh, But the reality is you could fake it, but people are smart. Mm -hmm. They will see it. If you are authentic, Mm -hmm. the right role will come. And because you don't want to be in a role that's not right fit for you as well, right? And if you're authentic, you are going to be happy in your role. Because if you, when you're faking, your internal self is going to be not happy. Mm-hmm. You know it. You may, No one may not notice it, but you notice it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like, you know, go for interviews, go for the opportunities and present your authentic self. But then you will know whether that job or the opportunity is the right fit for you and they will know whether you are the right person. Mm-hmm. And you could make a decision and if it's not that opportunity, there's always going to be the next opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I have seen a lot of healthcare leaders um, go into jobs just because they want to get a job mm-hmm. and then they are awfully unhappy about what mm-hmm. they have. 
and then they then they complain that oh, no, I didn't get promotion, I didn't get this. Because yeah, you are in a role, you're doing it, you're not happy, you're not showing your passion. Mm-hmm. People know. They when they don't see you with the passion for that specific role, they're not going to promote you, right? Mm-hmm. So go after, find your strength and go after it. Wow, that was good. Find your strength and go after it. If you think about it, we can be only ourselves and no one else. There's really no one else le- out there like us. Our uniqueness is our competitive advantage. But authenticity can especially be difficult in transition periods. Even currently as we record this podcast, uh, we're in trying times as we deal with this pandemic. I'm actually currently job hunting in this crazy time. And at times it feels like I need to portray myself as someone else who's more extravagant, more experienced. But what I'm learning to do or just be more confident in myself and stay true to myself. If we try to be someone we're not, most likely we won't be satisfied with any of the results we get anyways. Our second guest, Julia Zarp, she touches on this. As she personally transitioned from a career in the U.S. to Canada, she had some great insights on how to manage decision-making during transition periods in one's career. All careers are full of transitions, and transitions bring a sense of anxiety and a real questioning of one's own capability and capacity. Mm -hmm. Again, it's the tension between what we want and what we think we're ready to do. And what we generally tend to do is keep pushing ourselves forward. And sometimes it's very important to stop and stand still and say, at this point, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm going to have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's not a predictor of how I will always feel. It's not a predictor of what my ability is in this job or a reflection of where I've been to date. It's a it's an actual state of anxious transformation where I really want to do well, but I have to trust myself to look at the cues, to look at the context, to do the things I've always done well that have brought me forward to this date. And to allow things to be complex and things to be unclear and to hold my head up and say, this is not the easiest time. Mm -hmm. And to also allow myself to think that if this continues to be not easy, I have a choice. I have a choice to make another decision and to somehow find ways to create pressure valves where we Mm -hmm. can take a little bit of the heat off of these transitions and these choices we make. So I'm actually going through a little bit of that um, being comfortable with being uncomfortable phase as I'm just starting my first practicum. Um, So it's a practicum for the Master of Health Informatics program. um, And I don't come from a technical background and I'm now working um, in a more technical role or one that I've never had before. So when Julia mentions getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, I definitely... uh, understand having that feeling. Um, But I agree with her that you just kind of have to take every day as it is and know that um, you have the education to be there um, and you have value to add. And like she said, just keep sticking with what you know works, um, but also be open to new opportunities as they come. And I've been really excited to get to try out new things that I've never done before, which is, I think, a really exciting part of a leadership journey. 
perhaps empathy for students because I do recognize this position of knowing your value but not being able to communicate it mm-hmm. and having such a challenge in being able to convince people that what you can do but have not yet done yeah. is remarkable. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a real challenge. How do we really convince ourselves or people that we have the knowledge? This relates to one of the major student dilemma. Like, how do you get experience with no experience? That's something I personally wrestle with, especially as we spoke about this earlier about the transitional periods. How do you communicate or even prove your worth? But one thing that I'm noticing, Sarah, that is huge is confidence is key to knowing and showing your value. That's something I'm personally working on. What about you, Sarah? What's your perspective? Yeah, I think also not being afraid to try new things. Um, Like I mentioned, I think that's a really great way. You know, I think people know you are just starting your career. Um, If it's your first job, um, they kind of know what they're getting. So if you're just confident with what you can offer, I think that that's a really good thing. Um, And I also think that it's important to have mentors when you are starting out um, to help you gain that confidence. For me, that's what's helped me gain confidence. Um, There's nothing like getting to meet someone who's in a position that you aspire to be in and then having them tell you what it was like when they were just starting out. And Julia, our guest, um, talks about the intersection between mentorship and professionalism. I've done a lot of work through MHI on mentorship and the idea of mentorship. And my best advice really to students is to find leadership in qualities of people that you admire, in the way that people meet challenges or just meet the everyday. So a mentor could be a peer. It could be somebody in your class. A leader could be a peer or somebody in your class because there's a strong relationship between mentorship and leadership. The more that you work with people who have been in management and leadership, the more that you can really open a dialogue to understand what their experience is. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I think I would say to students, having been in many leadership positions myself, is be careful of your own self and projecting things onto leadership and projecting them into a role that they then fulfill. Mm -hmm. In the same way as you yourself don't want to be taken as some sort of trope or in a role of, um, have a role projected on you. I often find with leaders, because when, when you're leading something, whether whatever the size when you walk into the room if you walk in in a bad mood or a good mood people calibrate off of you Mm -hmm. right and then people tend to take it personally and you may have something going on in your life that's a little different or challenging and yet as a leader you can unintentionally communicate a lot Mm -hmm. and as a leader you have to learn over time that professionalism isn't about dulling down the way you are. Professionalism is about providing consistency to the people around you. Mm -hmm. And that consistency enables people not to feel like they have to rise and fall on your mood or your, your, you know, whether you're up or you're down. So I think understanding that, that leaders have to really 
navigate situations and be making things up as they go along in the same way as students and and people early in career may find themselves doing, that that realization sets the stage for really good communication. Mm -hmm. I've managed hundreds of people directly, and all of the best relationships happen after we hit a point where we can say, oh, we kind of get where each other's coming from. Mm -hmm. But the first thing to be is respected, Mm -hmm. and the second thing to be is liked. I really, really, really like to be liked. I think, yeah, everyone does. Yes. But if you go into a situation where you're using like as a parallel uh, way to judge yourself as you're using respect, and then you set yourself up for a challenging situation because in a professional setting, those things can sometimes be seem to be at odds. And as with any relationship, it takes a lot of time to build trust. So go in, start with respect Mm -hmm. and move to like some of the best friendships I've ever had have been through work and continue to have will be through work with people at all stages. But I think that's something I'd like for people to hear. So I think that uh, this is a really great way to wrap up this episode with professionalism. And it really ties into the piece that we talked about with Abby about self-care and mindfulness. When Julia talks about being respected over being liked um, and having being professionalism, meaning that um, you're staying consistent, I think one of the best ways that you can practice that is by being mindful and reflective. And I think that that's how you can stay consistent um, and be a really good leader for a team. Now, let's just take a moment to reflect. If you were to self-evaluate, how well are you taking care of yourself? I encourage you to find a good self-care routine that works for you and that helps you become a better mindful leader. Take care of you by either getting outside, downloading a mindfulness app, journaling, or doing something different just for you. Are you still with me? Good. Remember to be mindful. And this looks different for everyone, but it's all about being in the moment. Too often we are harping on the past or worrying about the future. Keep in mind, change is constant and life is full of transitions. Despite the oscillations during the journey, always strive for authenticity. Fake it till you make it isn't always the best strategy. And to be the best leader you can be, seek out mentors along the journey, as mentorship is a great way to find leaders that you admire to help shape your future. You're listening to Built to Lead. Built to Lead is a student-directed podcast and companion initiative to the Vernissage Health Dialogue series for health leaders. We want to thank the Vernissage Health Partners for their generous support in making this podcast possible. Thank you to the Associated Medical Services, the Dalalana School of Public Health, the Institute of Health Policy, Management and Evaluation, and the Rotman School of Management. Built to Lead is hosted by IHPME students, Sarah Sawaya, that's me, and Matthew Goldburn. Our show is edited and mixed by Big Six Media, and the music is composed by Sindhu. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed Built to Lead, make sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. We're building the health leaders of tomorrow.